AI has been heralded as our salvation and our damnation. Chatbots can save us time by creating reams of seemingly sensible text, but when everyone has access to it, aren't we just creating a race to the middle? I don't think there's a simple right answer, so let's have a play and see what happens. This is your podcast owner's manual, the handy guide to looking after yourself uh, and your podcast. I'm Mark Stedman. I, I, I switched up the order this time. And today we are going to have a bit of fun with AI. Now, I use AI-based tools almost every single day with Descript as my podcast editor. That has got quite a few AI smarts in it. It's got the overdub voice thing, which I use maybe once or twice a year. Um, but it is also uh, their, their studio sound product, which is this thing that essentially tries to take everything that isn't the human voice delivered very close to the microphone. Um, and it, so it, it attempts to strip all of that stuff away. So all the reverb, any background noise, so that you end up with a voice that sounds a little bit like this. But you know, it 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 has its high points and it has its low points, but that's an AI powered tool. It's based on all of their voice data that they've been that they've been getting because they've now got all this information about what a human voice sounds like. So, I use AI every day for that kind of stuff, but I don't really think about it that much. And in the wake of tools like Chat GPT um, and a few other things that we're going to discuss today, I thought it would be fun to round uh, a few of those things up so that we've got a bit of an overview of what's happening at the moment and what's possible. Just a uh, a bit of a bird's eye view, really. And uh, I wanted to have some fun. I wanted to, to play around with a few things. So uh, let's get a little bit silly. Um, let's start with Dali. Um, now, Dali is an image gen- uh, generator that is created by the OpenAI team, which is the same team that created ChatGPT, which we'll also talk about. So with Dali, that's D-A-L-L hyphen E, like Wally, the robot, but with Dal, you get it. Um, with Dali, you can type text into a box and you can then get an image spat out the other side. They've recently, uh, one of their counterparts actually, uh, has recently, uh, or competitors I should say, has recently been in trouble with Getty. Those are the people that do all the, you know, bunch of stock images, right? Huge stock image library uh, and just photography in general. Uh, And if you ever find any Getty images on the web, you'll notice that they have a watermark. Um, And the way that these systems are trained is, this is part of, what's creating a lot of controversy around, especially with the the image generation systems. And there's a few others as well. But they're using, they're effectively looking at Google Images. That's not exactly what they're doing, but effectively. So Google Images has this huge index of all, you know, basically all the publicly available images in the world on the web. And that includes watermarked images. Because, of course, Getty and any of these stock art um, providers... They don't want people to just right-click and download and, and have high-res art, so they put up a, a low-res thumbnail so that you can see what the image is, and then they have a watermark over it. So because these chat systems have been trained on this freely open, available data, now the the, the, the lawsuit has happened because uh, one of these image generation systems has been creating images with the Getty watermark on it because it's like, well, that's part of an image. So this gets in an interesting thing with AI. What we're really calling, I think the A part of artificial intelligence is important. And I'm not going to get super technical, but I think it's useful to frame that because this is really artificial. They're actually, it's, they're not, they're not smart. This is the thing. They're not, they're not clever. They actually don't know what anything is. These algorithms, they don't know what anything is. What they're essentially doing is or a lot of this stuff um, is it's it's essentially two computers with one training the other, and so one computer produces a thing and says, "Is is this anything?" And then the other computer says, "No, that's not anything." Right? You know, you you say, uh, "I want an image of a cat," and the computer several hundred thousand, perhaps millions of times, essentially goes. Is this a thing? Is this a thing that you want? Is this a cat? 
Um, uh, you know, so so it will it will usually start by being trained on lots of images of cats, and we tell it this is our cat, and so then uh, this is a you know a, a simplified simplification, and I'm also sort of uh, joining a few things together that might not necessarily warrant joining, but you get the idea, right? So the this this first computer is tra- tra- trained on a bunch of images of cats, and it's told this is an cat, right? And then we uh, then the other computer uh, is then tasked with looking at the images that the first computer generates to to validate whether it's a cat or not. And so the first computer will just keep throwing out stuff that it thinks is vaguely like a cat. And so it's going to start by creating something that's got six legs of different color and four eyes and 19 nipples right because it's just it's it doesn't know what a cat is it's just been told these collections of pixels in this format we call cat and so it's basically just going back and forth back and forth back and forth the conversation is is this a thing no is this a thing no is this a thing yeah and each time it gets a yeah it learns a little bit more and it so it learns like oh okay that's positive reinforcement so uh, they're called something like um, adversarial networks. I can't remember what they're generalized adversarial networks, I believe, is what they're called. And that's what how a lot of this AI is done. So it's actually not that smart. It's it's a lot of trial and error with two computers. One of them going, eh, is this a thing? And the other one going, yes or no. So I think that's kind of useful context because it gets us into... Some of the issues that, that I'm, I'm going to uncover, especially when it comes to the real kind of content generation that, that uh, on the face of it looks really useful. So we have these image generation tools and they're fun to play with, right? So the the artwork at the moment uh, for this episode is Yoda in uh, underwater chasing after a dollar bill. That's because that's what I put into Dali because I wanted to generate... Uh, I, I wanted to basically try creating, recreating the Nevermind, you know, the uh, uh, the 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 album cover. Um, of completely, completely um, uh, had had a brain fart on uh, on Nirvana, so I completely couldn't remember who Nirvana was for a second there. Um, so I, I wanted to recreate the Nirvana Nevermind album, but with Yoda, um, and that was the closest I got, and so that's what the artwork is for this episode. So they're fun to play with, and I've used them in a couple of different scenarios, but they end up, because they don't know, they actually don't know what anything is, it gets into, it can get into weird kind of uncanny valley territory. You you end up getting people with three, uh, three hands or, or maybe six fingers because the computer doesn't know what a person is, really. And so, but it know it's you know it, it's seen hands and it's seen things and it knows in various directions. It's been told enough times that these things look like these things, but it doesn't really know what anything is. And that's that's why I think the A part of artificial is is important here because there there can be a lot because we've all seen the films, we've all seen the rhetoric, and there's there's you know lots of there can be lots of ideas about how our creativity can be taken away from us. And on the face of it, I kind of just want to remind you that it's it's actually. It's it's kind of pretty it's pretty dumb. It's it's kind of got the attention and the knowledge of someone who's extremely busy and isn't really paying attention and looks at something very briefly and goes, eh. It's kind of it's kind of that. It's like, yeah, okay. So with all with all of that said, um I I I had a little play with a combination of Dali and Chat GPT. Because this started a few days ago when I just wanted to create three images, three new pieces of artwork that would look like podcast artwork. They didn't have to be good. They were only going to be quite small. They were just literally placeholder images. And I just thought, you know what, I'll throw them into into Dali and uh, we'll we'll see what we get. And so I, I created three, uh, three different podcasts. Um, well, I, I just said, give me artwork for a fitness podcast, a tech podcast, and one about natural history. And that's all, you know, that's what it was like, artwork for a tech podcast. It was basically that. And so what it went and, and did was created me these these three images, which uh, sort of thumbnail size, you go, wow, that's actually quite, you know, it's, it's, it knows what podcast artwork is. Or, you know, again, it's seen lots of examples of what we call podcast artwork. It doesn't know what text is. 
again, it knows that there's this stuff that is in this pattern, but it doesn't really know, it can't read. It's not that smart, again, the, these image generators. So what we ended up with was three bizarrely named podcasts, um, none of which have words. And I will tell you about one of them in a bit, uh, just because I, th I think it's quite fun. Um, I went a little bit further. I went into ChatGPT and I asked it for descriptions of these podcasts. Now, ChatGPT is this one of the, the newer ones that you've probably heard of now because it's it's become quite zeitgeisty. Where it's really genuinely quite useful, as long as it's not as long as the knowledge that you are asking for is not life or death, it's kind of a super advanced Google. And I think Google is going to get there at some point. And apparently they are uh, streets ahead, but they are nervous about releasing this stuff into the wild because they know how powerful it can be. Their stuff is, is quite is quite powerful and can get kind of creepy because it, it gets so good. They've released tools in the past that, that do phone calls. They can phone up a uh, – they, they did a demo. This is – five years ago now where they phoned up a hairdresser's and made an appointment for someone on behalf of the hairdresser so you could say it, it might be a hairdresser that doesn't have take online bookings right uh and so you can tell your google assistant or your phone to say book me an appointment you put your phone away that's it you carry on about your day and google will phone up with an AI-powered voice that sounds like a human. It ums and errs. It looks stuff up. It hesitates like a human would and has a conversation with the real person at the shop, at the, at the, at the, um, at the hairdressers, to book that appointment. It looks at the, your calendar. It, like, it's incredible, right? And they haven't released that yet because it's not perfect, and it's also quite scary how good it is. So, you know, there is some, some stuff here to be aware of. And... So, yeah, I kind of just want to be mindful of that. But ChatGPT can be used at the moment as a kind of an interesting little Google because it is aware of stuff, because it's it's got knowledge of the web. Now, it's got knowledge of the web up, up until about 2021 because it's it's had to gather all of this data. And so it's it's got it's sort of scraped the Internet up until about 2021. Um, that's its, its data set, its data model, as, as it's called. So if you want anything more advanced then you're you're not going to get it you know if i ask who the president of of the us is to chat gpt i haven't actually tried but i assume it's going to say trump um it may not though because they have been they've been updating things because people have been kicking the tires and doing all sorts of things and trying to make it say things you know we're, we're not going to go down that road but you know the the internet is 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 its own subculture and so people have been trying all sorts of things with it but there is one of the things that I think it can be quite useful for, genuinely, is a kind of is is idea generation in a rush. So, I'll give you an example. I uh, later today I am interviewing. Uh, well, in fact, I will give you this. I I, I put this text into ChatGPT. This is an entire uh, paragraph that I put into the chatbot to see what I would get back. Okay, I am interviewing James Thompson for my podcast. James is the creator of PCalc. Douglas Adams, the famous author, beta-tested one of his applications called DragThing. What questions should I ask James that he hasn't been asked before so we can have a great podcast interview? So li tiny little bit of context. This is a, another podcast that I do, uh, and I'm, I'm speaking to James today with, uh, with a co-host. And I just thought, I mean, I've, I've already sent my questions off and, and written, the, written the notes for our conversation today. But I just thought, you know, having had a conversation with someone earlier in the week about this, who was, who was using AI, uh, using ChatGPT as a way of coming up with a, a few questions, I thought, you know, let's give it a go. And they're, they're, not, they're not terrible questions. They're really not. Um, can you tell us uh, about any particularly challenging or interesting technical problems you had to solve while developing PCalc or DragThing? How did Douglas Adams become involved in beta testing DragThing and what was it like working with him? Can you share any insights or advice for independent software developers just starting out in the field? Can you tell us about any new or upcoming projects you're working on and what we can expect from them? Can you speak to the evaluation of PCalc and how it has changed over time since its initial release? 
Can you share any interesting stories or anecdotes from your time developing and releasing PCALC and DragThing? Can you talk about any design decisions or features you added to PCALC that you are particularly proud of? Can you discuss the role of PCALC in the context of the broader calculator app market and how it has differentiated itself from competitors? And finally, can you talk about any significant changes you have made to the PCALC app over time? Now, question eight is significant because I didn't tell ChatGPT that PCALC is a calculator app. I didn't even say, I think I said app, but I didn't say it was a calculator app. It knows, it's, you know, again, it's using a little bit of its knowledge and it knows that it's a calculator app. So those questions are not bad questions, right? Now, what we're going to get into is they're a little bit on the bland side. Now, we can, of course, add our own flair and add our own voice to it. And again, I'll, I'll talk about that as well. But if you just, if you're stumped, if you've got a little bit of writer's block or whatever, I think that's really, really useful. Because often, well, I don't know about you, but I sometimes fail to answer, to, to ask questions that are that my audience would actually find benefit from because I'm too worried about and asking the questions that that haven't been asked before. But sometimes there are a few that actually we do need to ask. Um, because they give a little bit of context, right? So I, I really like that. I really appreciate it as uh, a way of, of being able to yeah, just come up with, with, with some ideas if you're, if you're feeling stuck. I also asked it how to upload a podcast. thought this would be interesting. So it gave me some sort of fairly technical advice um, about RSS feeds. So RSS feeds being these files on the internet that are the signpost to your podcast, they say... because. Uh, I use the word upload specifically because obviously most people don't know that. Most people are thinking, how can I upload my podcast to Spotify or Apple, right? And so that's the question that I wanted to ask ChatGPT. And so it tells me about RSS, which is this thing that you that, that we use. So I then asked it, what is RSS or what's an RSS feed? Because it started talking about RSS feeds, that's what you need. So I said, what's an RSS feed? And I got a pretty comprehensive answer back. Uh, and now the interesting thing is ChatGPT is aware of the context of the conversation you're having right now. So within the, the space of this conversation, it already knows what I've asked before because it's a chatbot. It's not actually Google, right? It is it is meant to be conversational. And so it is aware of what it's already asked you. So when I asked what is RSS, it knew that we were talking about podcasting, I think. So it tailored its its response. And then I asked, okay, so, so I'm looking through this and I'm thinking, okay, I've, I've actually got to get an RSS feed. That's a thing that I need. So I just asked ChatGPT, how do I get an RSS feed? And I got back some names of podcast hosts and, and some of their advice. You know, these are the things you need to do. And it actually listed some of the uh, prominent podcast hosts. So from that, from having a conversation, I got from, I think I'm supposed to upload my podcast to Apple which is not true, but it's what most people think, which is understandable, all the way through to, no, you actually need an RSS feed, which you get via a podcast host. So again, advanced Google, very, very cool. Uh, now, it's apparently, although it's context aware of the conversation, it's apparently not tracking the past conversations or user-specific stuff. I asked it, so I opened a new conversation, and I asked it, what's the thing that I've asked you the most about? And it said, I, I, I don't know, because I'm not tracking that, basically, which I thought was interesting. I don't know how true that is. I mean, it's tied to my Google account, so who knows? But, I've, you know, I, 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 I thought that was interesting. So one of the podcasts that I generated, um, starting with the artwork, didn't have any names in mind. Uh, the, the one that caught my attention or my imagination the most was the natural history one and it produced quite an an interesting piece of of artwork to be honest it kind of looked a little bit like yeah if i was going to make a natural history history podcast i could sort of see where they were where they were, they were thinking here if you like and it was um an image of a sort of a an i, I, I don't quite know if it was the skull of an animal with antlers or something with with like bat wings, but it looked kind of skeletal. So there's kind of a skeletal looking, almost fossilized 
which probably was a fossil, actually, because natural history, uh, at the bottom of the image. And then in big text was uh, the name of the podcast, which I've shortened um, because it's incomprehensible. Some of the letters aren't really letters. But again, it's it's ChatGPT uh, or, or uh, Dali going. Is this text? I, I guess. And the computer, the the other computer is like, eh, close enough. It'll pass, kind of thing. Um, and so uh, we are going to uh, affectionately call the podcast Natty Grional Choir, Natty Grional Choir, which is H O I R E, like noir, but choir. Um, the full name is Harris Dill Indcuit. Itakal, Itakal, Nati Um So this podcast, uh, I, I asked ChatGPT for a description of the podcast. I wanted to basically see how far, and I've got pretty far, by the way, because I've, I've done a few things which, you know, maybe we'll revisit or maybe I'll play around with. Um, actually, I'll talk, I'll talk to you about that in a moment. Um, I, I'm going to release some of the things that I've been playing around with. Um, I want to try and get as far into creating an entire podcast dreamed up by a computer and executed by a computer using advice on how to grow it with by a computer right that's that's kind of what I want to try and do so I started it with the description so Natty Grional Hua is a podcast that takes listeners on a journey through the natural world each episode explores a different aspect of the natural history from the smallest microorganisms to the largest landforms. Our expert hosts delve deep into the science behind the natural phenomena, providing listeners with a deeper understanding and appreciation for the world around them. Join us as we discover the beauty and wonder of the natural world in Haristil Indku Itakal Natigroinal Hua. <laughs> now, again, it's not earth-shattering, but it's a you know, it's it's a passable description. And it's certainly, if nothing else, it's placeholder text. If you're in the, pro, you know, if someone's in the process, but they kind of want to get a, a podcast up fairly quickly, they know what it's about, and they actually just want to get going, and they can, they can iterate and come back to it later. I'm less about that now, but plenty of people are. Um, it's not a bad thing to do to be able to pop in a few details to chat GPT and get an okay good description out of it. And if again, if nothing else, it helps give you a formula and a format, and then you can always keep tweaking it. You know, if you've got that writer's block, or if you don't know like how much detail you're supposed to put in it, you know, in terms of detail and length, it's actually pretty spot on. It's, I think, a couple of paragraphs. It's not too much. We're not learning huge about the podcast. We're not connecting with it on an, an emotional level, which I'd want those show notes to do, or that description to do. But again, kind of gets us a little bit you know closer to to um to something right so i mentioned that uh, i've been I'm, I'm playing around with this a little bit more if you want to come with me on this journey then i'm doing i'm trying out something here uh trying a little a little experiment uh, which i'm calling uh, origin circle so this is a uh, it's a little membership scheme and it's uh, 9 bucks a month and what you get for that is lots and lots of bonus content so i've got a library of tutorial videos uh, that i've uh, i was recording last year i'll be recording more soon um there are downloads there's guides there's all sorts of things to help you as a podcaster uh and then one of the things that uh we'll be doing is i'm going to be exploring more of this stuff more of this how far can we get a computer to create I mean, I've 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 got this thing to write the first episode. It's an interview episode uh, of, of of all three um, all three podcasts. Um, so you know we've we've got pretty far in this. If you want to follow along on the journey, check out origin.fm/circle uh, and you can sign up there. As I say nine nine pound a month. Um, there's all sorts of other little videos there on like how to use Notion with your podcast, how to uh, do uh, how to cross promote. There's all sorts of, of, of useful things over there. Um, and I'll be uh, creating new stuff every month. So yeah, go, go check it out. It's, it's um, yeah, it's a little experiment. Uh, and I think this could be a fun way of, uh, of being able to, to follow along. So yeah, origin.fm slash circle.
Oh, when I say bucks, by the way, it's nine pounds. Just, just as a, yeah. All right. Okay. Take a quick breather. That was my signal. Uh, if you'd like to um, take yourself a quick breather, then, then by all means. We're now going to talk about something called Cap Show. So Cap Show is a relatively new tool. Now, I mentioned it last week when we were talking about uh, how uh, content is consumed and promoted in 2023 because Cap Show had done this report. They're, they're a, uh, one of these companies that's sort of very perky and peppy and has sort of jumped in with lots of hey guys into the podcasting space. Like lots of enthusiasm, lots of, you know, let's try really hard, lots of let's speak to lots of people. We don't know a lot, but we're going to sort of position ourselves, you know. So they're, they're, barreling, they're barreling in with some confidence here. Um, and I find that, you know, interesting. But what they've got on the face of it is quite an interesting product because what it's trying to do is alleviate a lot of the burdensome, what can be, not always the case for everyone, but what can be some of the burdensome tasks that come with creating a podcast or with maintaining in, uh, and keeping up and doing the the uploading and the editing and all that stuff. So what they're trying to do is take all of the the text-based jobs that you have to do off your plate so that effectively you can hit record hit done, upload your audio to CapShow. Uh, it's it's not hosting the audio or anything. What it's doing is it's going to analyze the uh, the episode and then write show notes for you and titles and all sorts of things. So I'm going to show you some of the things that it's written. I will give you the spoiler. I don't, I'm not a fan, not because I have any kind of feeling against... This being automated, I absolutely, I have absolutely no problem with it being automated at all. I just don't think this is a great execution yet. And the reason I'm kind of bringing it up is because they're really positioning this, again, with a lot of confidence. They're pricing it with a lot of confidence. They're pricing it like it adds value. And I don't think it does. And, you know, you may disagree, but let's see what the kind of stuff that it generates. So uh, it can, like I said, it can create show notes for an episode. Now, I, I threw an episode of a real podcast, a real client podcast into this. Um, and uh, it's, you know, I, I'm not sort of particularly worried about keeping anything secret. Um, but yeah, I, I, I ended up, again, spoiler, I didn't use really any of this uh, because I just, I, I didn't think it was good enough. Um, apart from one thing that I, th- I think it did fairly well, but which I could have done fairly easily. Okay, so it's written some show notes. Here's a little bit of, of what it's written. Uh, when Becky and Francis explore the idea of setting positive intentions around money, their dialogue reveals the compelling central conflict between our emotional needs and the power of money as a facilitator. And there's a quote from the episode. Becky is an experienced business coach and founder of the Happy Pricing Course, Francis is an entrepreneur and founder of the Happy Startup School, which focuses on helping entrepreneurs build businesses that are both profitable and meaningful. Now, the Happy Startup School is uh, this is this is me editorialising. The Happy Startup School is uh, founded on that principle. That's what it helps people do. But it was not founded <laughs> by Francis. Uh, neither was the Happy Pricing Course created by Becky. Those those things are not true. So that's not great. Francis and Becky shared their knowledge and experience on how to set positive intentions around money. You'll see that phrase uh, repeated a lot through the content that it generates. Through conversation and dialogue, they discussed the importance of understanding their underlying needs and feelings in order to connect to their goals. They emphasize the need to view money as a facilitator and to be motivated by things that really pull them forward, such as the people, places and things they want to do. Together, they concluded that setting positive intentions around money can give you a new direction and the benefit of a fixed target. There's a lot of words there. A lot of, I'm not sure what they mean. Um, I, I kind of, I, I thought I'd admit, uh, uh, omit the uh, details of the, of the podcast, but, um, yeah, it is about money. Um, but it's, mm, it's actually specifically about pricing. It's about how we set pricing and how that connects to value and things like that. Um, so 
yeah, not not loving that. What I did appreciate was the quote that it pulled out. I thought the quote was quite good. Um, but I, I'm I'm not, you know, yes, it's factually incorrect in a in a very sort of you know, if you're not mindful of that, if you're if you're thinking this tool is good, um, and you're just sort of taking that text and then, you know, it's just that that's that's patently not true. But then it's also again, there were lots of words there, lots of good words, but I don't know that they really connect to any anything actually meaningful. It's a little bit just a minute, I think. You know, if you're familiar with that game, the idea is to speak uh, without hesitation, deviation, uh, repetition, or uh, hesitation, and um, yeah, for 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 a single minute, and uh, yeah, so it's a little bit like that. anyway. Continuing, it also produced what it calls captions, which are little snippets of text that you can use in LinkedIn, you can use them in TikTok, Facebook posts. They're, they're sort of little snippets. So this one is: Are you a money mindset individual looking for a way to get financial clarity? Do you feel like you found do you feel like you've been stuck in a cycle of conversational wisdom oh sorry <laughs> conventional wisdom that hasn't yielded the results you're seeking if you're feeling overwhelmed and frustrated by trying to achieve your financial goals then this episode is for you mm. so my problem with that is that describes i mean it doesn't describe the podcast because that's not really what the podcast is about but if I mean money mindset, that's just a thing that people say now, or money minded, like it's just it's you know, sure who isn't in 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 many ways, but I know it's a it's a catchphrase at the moment. Um, but I mean, aside from the fact that it sort of doesn't understand the podcast, it's also I'm not seeing anything that is unique to this episode. So this makes good demo. It it looks great in a demo in isolation because you're like, wow, it knew that the show was about money and it knew that um, people might feel overwhelmed and frustrated by trying to achieve their financial goals, which isn't quite a, isn't a, a great sentence. But, right, it, yeah, that's fine. Except if I uploaded another episode of the same podcast, I think I'd get a similar bland description. It's not that it's super bland, but it's not... It's not isolated to that episode. It doesn't tell me anything about that specific episode. And so what you're going to end up with is is every week you upload your thing, you get your caption, and it's kind of going to say the same stuff because that's what every episode is about. It's great that the computer knows that it's about money and, and these people might be interested. But in order for us to be able to say, well, this particular episode is about this thing, we've got to be able to go a little bit deeper. So it also writes an email. I mean, this, like, on the face of it, you think about the things that this is doing for you, and it sounds great because it's also written an email. So this is the thing that you can send to your, your mailing list. Hi, name. Do you want to achieve financial freedom? Becky and Francis are here to show you the path to financial security. Discover how you can achieve lasting financial stability and unlock the key to financial freedom. Here are, some of, here are just some of the things we cover. What role does money play in setting positive intentions? How can we use our own attributes to negotiate better prices? How can understanding our feelings help us set better goals? Again, eh? Doesn't, yeah, doesn't mean a lot and isn't actually descriptive of the content of the episode. It also generates blog posts. Uh, so here's one it's generated called Seven Steps to Set Positive Intentions Around Money and Achieve Your Goals. Number one, I mean, there's lots of other, like lots of other boilerplate text, but the, the steps are, um, number one, identify your needs and wants. Number two, understand that money is a facilitator and use it to achieve your goals and needs. Three, set a target that is inspired by your needs and wants. Four, reflect on the feelings associated with achieving your goals. And uh, I don't know if there was a missing word there or if I accidentally cut that off. Five, connect to your underlying emotional driver and orientate your actions towards meeting those needs. Six, be conscious about the experience of working towards your goals. Seven, stay present and energized in order to authentically talk about money and pricing. Do, 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 you, do, you, see, do you see where I'm a little bit like 
Can you hear the mocking tone in my voice? <laughs> Again, lots of good words. Lots of, lots of, yeah, lots of words. Lots of sound and fury signifying nothing. It's very clever that it that it understands certain aspects, but and and it's it's gonna be great if you just need some text because you think Google wants text. Now we are so over that as a concept now. Google released an update last year called the Helpful Content Update. It's penalizing posts uh, and and content that is 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 full of stuff, full of of carbs, but no fiber. Or no protein. It's it's trying to really get away from that, that Google just wants more, 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 more content, more content, content is king, and actually look at how is the visitor reacting? What what is the next action they're taking? Are they spending time on the website? If they're if they're spending time and then they're immediately bouncing, then maybe, and, and they're then going to find another result, Google knows, okay, that website did not answer the question because they've come back and maybe they've read it for a bit, and, but they've come back and they've, they've sought another answer. So possibly that first one wasn't very good. You know, very, very, very quick aside, you think about recipes. They are full, recipe websites are full of Here's the history of the potato. The Oxford English Dictionary defines potato as, right, and then right at the bottom you get the the actual steps, and it's like, number one, peel the potato, number two, boil it. Um, but, you know, there's, there's so much stuff th- there because they, they've been taught that Google wants more stuff, and, and so that's what a lot of this is doing. It's just more, 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 because it's built by people who think more is better, and really I think better is better. <laughs> <laughs> but some of the other things that it does, it generates LinkedIn articles, YouTube descriptions, what they call potent quotables, which again, I do like. I do like this, genuinely. But I'm not going to pay the the pricing for, for what it is because it's 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 quite pricey, um, and you don't get a lot for the price. Um, you get yeah, it's 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 really stingy. Um, but the the quotable thing is is the cap show taking a bunch of of things that were said by guests and then listing them. And I think that is actually useful because you can't always do that when you're in the editing stage because it requires such a different content or context shift and it makes the whole process longer. So it's kind of nice that there's a computer going, here's a bunch of things that, that we think were reacted to or, you know, and, and there's a couple of other tools that do similar kind of things. And that kind of stuff I actually think is, it's really useful. It's just not worth the price. Uh, so a little bit about, uh, about Capture from their marketing blurb. Uh, Capture was created for coaches, consultants, service providers who use their podcast to share their expertise and to be a voice of authority for their audience and are interested in growing their podcast to grow their business and want, the, want to use the most comprehensive digital content marketing strategy, content dripping, to accelerate their podcast growth. Now, on the face of it, that looks, that's not a bad business proposition. But as I think we're getting to here, and as the title of this episode alluded to, what we essentially have here is the Newtomatic Drinks Dispenser. So we are on a Douglas Adams kick today. Uh, So this is from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, This is, if you're unfamiliar, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is set uh, basically in the 70s, but in outer space. And it's the last human on Earth traveling the galaxy with his friend who is not from Guildford after all, but appears to be uh, from somewhere uh, in the vicinity of Beetlejuice. And he meets uh, the only other surviving uh, human and they go off and have adventures uh, in a big spaceship. And on the spaceship is lots of tech that doesn't work very well. Uh, This is written in the 70s in the era of sort of IBM and stuff, but when imagined in the era of the late 90s, when I... Uh, was listening to it it felt so much like Microsoft it, the the descriptions felt so much like Microsoft so much will and 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 trying so hard but ultimately trying so hard to do human things to do things that humans want but ultimately missing the mark clippy anyone right I think you're trying to write a podcast um which you know again what we have here is like kind of a super advanced clippy but specifically the new and I, why this is relevant the new traumatic drinks dispenser so the uh, fr- from the book and the and the uh, radio series when the drink button was pressed 
It made an instant but highly detailed examination of the subject's taste, bud, taste buds, a spectroscopic analysis of the subject's metabolism, and then sent tiny experimental signals down the neural pathways to the taste centre of the, of the subject's brain to see what was likely to go down well. However, no one knew quite why it did this, because it invariably delivered a cup full of liquid that was almost, but not quite entirely, unlike tea. And that's where we are with this stuff. There's a lot of work going in and a lot of clever science, clever science talk, a lot of big words, a lot of effort and real hard work that's going into what is ultimately producing a fairly bland, brown, undistinguishable liquid. And my particular beef with Capshow is the price tag really signals that it's adding value. Now, what it's doing is it's saving time. And, I, you know, I see part of my job here to help people like you navigate some of this stuff because... I'm here every day. I'm in the news. I, I'm you know, looking at the news. I'm playing around with tools. And as as people who are at the point where they're ready to give back and create podcasts that serve their audience rather than themselves, I want to sort of make sure that you have not just the right tools, but also know when you start hearing about, because you know, I'm obviously not the, uh, the only person you're going to hear about podcasting from, but when you hear about other things that are coming up, I want to be able to give you that moment of, okay, well, let's triangulate, you know, let's see what, you know, what another side of this is. And and so that's kind of why I wanted to, to bring this up because it may be something that, that you hear more about. And I kind of just, yeah, want, want to pick it apart a little bit because I think it, it feels like it has so much promise and, and the price tag looks like it creates this value, but you, you can't upload very much audio, for the for the sort of main price you get without having to really really up uh, up what you pay, um, so it saves it, it it saves time. But I really don't think what saves time for what. Uh, yes, you can upload your episode and get all of this text back in all of these different formats, and it's all kind of slightly different. It's not the same text everywhere, and that's brilliant. But I don't think any of it matters because I don't think any of it is going to connect with anyone. It's all just grist for the mill. It's it's perfect for the entrepreneur who is about them, who is. And again, that was slightly in the in the copy here. It's it's about proving their authority. It's very little in that. That's actually about how we serve how we add value to the world. And then, as a result, we can build relationships and, you know, ultimately get what we want as well. But it starts with building that, creating that um, that unfair balance, creating more, putting more value into the world than we get out of our podcast because it's about creating those relationships. And that's fine. Like, that's not everybody's bag. That's my bag. That's hopefully your bag. And And that's fine. But we can't use these, well, we can, but I, I don't think it's advisable to use these kinds of tools because, again, it's great time saving. If you are the kind of person who just says, I have a podcast, I record it, I have fun, maybe I'll throw it over to, to one of these, uh, maybe to, to an editor um, in, in the Middle East somewhere, or I just chuck it into Descript, click a few buttons and export it. Like, What's important is that I get my message out. And that I am heard, and I am seen as an authority, and I and I and I. And I think that's what tools like this are helpful for. They're helpful because it's more important for that person to go, here's my thing, I did this thing, here's my wisdom. And yeah, I was chatting to a guest, but like I got the guest and it's me. And then it's it's like, well, the text doesn't really have to, like they're they're not thinking about how the text, how the description shows up, how whether someone is going to identify with that and think, yes, that that episode speaks to me because they don't really care. So that's that's kind of my take on this. Um, if if your podcast is is there to serve you, then a tool like Capshow I think will do quite well for you. 
because it will enable you to just ah, just get those things done. I don't have to think about it. We have to do the harder work when we're building these relationships because we have all of these different entry points, all of these different opportunities to show people that we have something that we think will connect with them. And the only way that we can do that at the moment is on that human level, is by writing something on a human level. The, further to the, the point of the, the new traumatic drinks dispenser, I think it's great having a formula or a structure in mind. I advocate one for writing show notes. Again, it's uh, you can you can buy the little uh, hour-long session that I did or it's available at origin, origin.fm slash circle. Um, I did a, like a really comprehensive view uh, sort of rundown on how you put show notes together, how I think you can do it and actually not take huge amounts of time, not use huge amounts of text because, again, we don't need it. Um, you know, I have my formula and I think that's fine. I think it's good to have a formula. But there is this idea sometimes that um, having a formula is one thing, but often the, these, the, the, the bits of the formula, or the flesh on the skeleton, if you like, ends up as a lot of cliches. And so, because again, the, all the computer can do, if we think about how these AI systems work, they've got all of this data, all of this knowledge, and all they can really do is mush it all together and go, this is what I understand to be the global consensus about this thing. There you go. It's not able to think a little bit more left field and create something. You know, it, it's it's almost the the reverse of evolution. You know how evolution works by experimentation and things work and then they don't work? Yeah, again, I'm quoting um, Douglas Adams, but... Uh, poking out a little prehensile uh, toenail here or, you know, something like that. But that's how evolution works, right? It's these little experiments that, that go against the grain, against the mean. And that's why right at the beginning I used this phrase, a race to the middle, because that's what this stuff kind of creates at the moment. Um, and my cat agrees, you may have heard. Um, you know, she's she's also, she's also got thoughts on, on AI. Um this stuff is going to get better, though. I, I, I'm not down on this stuff at all. I just think right now, in, in early 2023, it's worth us just taking a moment to go, okay, it's not quite as smart as we think yet, so A, don't worry, um, but B, it is going to get better. I think it's more understanding of, of real sentiment, more understanding of the context, better better sort of contextual awareness. You know, things like Capshow, it needs to be more aware of the show itself you know we want we what we really want to be able to do is say well i've got like 20 episodes behind me throw all of those in now you can understand how the show works now you can understand the commonalities between one episode and another so that the the, the notes that you try to the notes that you produce for me are actually going to be unique to that episode I love the idea that we can sort of feed our voice and our style into the computer, much like you can do with Descript's voiceover tool. You put your voice in, but then you can also redub your voice, if you like, in different inflections. You can do a really happy version or a really angry version or a really intense version or a really sad version. And you can read the text that it that it gives you in these different styles. And then you can ask for uh, a word or a phrase or a sentence given in an excited voice and it will use the excited version so much in, in the way that you can sort of do that i love the idea that and i think we will get there that ai will allow us to say well here's my like maybe just here's all of my writing or here's all of my, here's me monologuing now you know what i sound like now you know what, what i speak like now you know that i like puns or i like mashing words together or i like alliteration or rhyming like all of these things start to learn a little bit more about how I communicate. And then once the computer has that understanding, you can then start to collaborate, or not collaborate, calibrate. You can start to calibrate the stuff that it wants to generate, which can be fairly generic to your voice. And I, th I again, I think we will get there. Right now, though, I think it's it's there is some good sort of supporting material. Um, 
and it's and it's useful especially things like chat gpt i think actually are useful uh as in in some of the things that are maybe a little bit outsourceable and i think that's going to get better it's so i'm not against these tools being used i'm also not against i'm also not advocating for uh, as much being done by humans as possible i'm not saying that ai should make artwork um, you know anything like that like i want humans to make things but let's focus on the stuff that we're best at let's focus on the human stuff let's focus on the irregularities let's focus on those edges those bits that aren't the bland bits let's find those and focus on those and let the computers do the stuff that's a bit more re replicable and a bit more rote but still understand what we're trying to do and help us a little bit help us with formulas help us connect you know when, when it comes to show notes and things like that i think that supporting content i think a computer can write that stuff not not now but i think we will get there and i think that's fine like okay i'm maybe putting some podcast managers out of a job eh, eh, you know that means then that the podcast manager can focus on doing other things like helping the show grow in ways that need human connections in in fostering those human connections in having more one-to-one -one conversations they're able to do that because they're not spending the time writing show notes and it's the same for you if there are aspects of you know if you're writing at the moment you're having to write a linkedin post or a or a carousel or a you know an instagram story for each episode and you're doing that right now and we get to a point where these tools can actually adequately do that then why not what's who who hurt you know who who is getting hurt there uh, especially, uh, say, I'm not advocating anyone lose their job. I'm not advocating we we don't get humans to do you know to do things. I'm saying, yeah, once that's done, once the replicable stuff is done, we then get to do the stuff that we are better at, and that's how we elevate. So that's that's my that's that's my thing about uh, about AI. That's my presentation. Thank you. This is a long one. Uh, I I hope you've uh, you've you've I hope you've 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 managed it. <laughs> uh, I've enjoyed this. If you want to talk about any of this stuff, Mark at Origin.fm. Uh, I'm sure the next subsequent episodes will be a lot shorter, so I won't keep you any longer. Thank you so much for uh, listening. Podcastownersmanual.com for the rest. Take care of yourself. We'll speak soon. <laughs>